This is a battle cry for broken hearts. I wrote the words. I took the pen, turned it toward me, and split my insides. I made a cut across the page to say how much it hurts. I let the wet ink flow until I could no longer pick up my hand to write another verse. Then the act was done. And there will always be those who don't understand and those who just don't care. There will be those who stand back and scoff and I say, let them say what they want. They weren't there in the dark, black, hungry nights that came to swallow me whole or for the knives that came to sever the 13 cuts that saved my life. They weren't there when I wanted to end, but chose instead to live again because of love. So let them talk and believe what they want, because I saw God in every single death I died, and he knows the truth, and he knows who lied. He sees, he works on the inside to make us whole, to heal in his time. And for every flaw or mistake I've made, they don't prevent me from writing what I couldn't say for so long. So I will finally set the record straight. God saved me. And he let everything that wasn't good for me fall away. And he gave me the grit and weapon of verse to speak back against the darkness and hopelessness that's breaking your heart. He gave me the light, he gave me the words, he gave me the pen to name what hurts and how it's only him who determines your worth and how it's only him who can love you back to life. So sweet soul, breathe, breathe heavy and deep, let it all fall away, let the people say what they will say, let the world spin on without you in it while you heal and deal with what's been done to you without your permission. And then, when you're ready, pick up your pen, pray the words, make the cuts, bleed the ink, write the verse, and bring every dream and every pain and every loss and every need back to God for his safekeeping. Then breathe, breathe, breathe. You are seen, seen, seen. This is my love song for our saving God. And this is my battle cry for the broken hearts. Hi, I'm Kimberly Finney, and you're listening to The Way Back Podcast from thewaybacktoourselves.com. I'm a writer, professor, counselor, and dreamer. But most importantly, I'm glad you're here. So let's dive in. Tonight is an extra special cozy night as we kick off the new year with the podcast because I get to sit down and chat with some of my favorite leading ladies, the editors of The Way Back to Ourselves in our first ever roundtable. You're in for a real treat as we go behind the scenes with The Way Back to Ourselves and the women who have helped to make it what it is today. Tonight we are talking about all things art and faith and we're also going to chat about upcoming spring literary journal, all the exciting things coming up for this year. And if you're thinking about submitting or getting involved, this is the episode for you. And if you're just looking to be inspired, may I say it's also the episode for you because you belong here. So let's get started, ladies. I think we drew sticks and I think Kimberly drew the short stick. <laughs> Kimberly. <laughs> and so you've been voted to go yes. first. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. glad to be here. Hi, I'm Kimberly Kralovic, and I'm a writer, 
and encourager and passionate about mental health. I live in Ohio with my husband, Kevin. We've been married almost three years and I've just been through many seasons of anxiety, depression, health issues. I was probably at my lowest about four years ago, but God really showed me a way out and through and just showed me so much. And I went through a healing season that came out stronger and healthier. And I just feel so blessed to be here. So. We're so glad to have you here. We appreciate you. So I have to hit you with our signature question that I'm going to have all the editors say is, what is home to you? Home to me is just feeling safe and secure in my mind and in my body and just feels cozy, authentic, and just free to be me and just at ease. I love that because that means that wherever you go, you can bring it with you. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily location. It's what you carry within yourself. I love that. And I know we'll dive into this more later, but do you have anything exciting to share with the listeners before yes. we get into everything? So I do have a podcast coming out March 5th and it's called The Mental Fight. And I'm so excited about it and something I've been working on and really passionate about. That's so exciting. I She shared her promo, I guess. Was it a promo or? It, yeah, like trailer. Yeah. yeah, your trailer. Yeah, with us. And she has the best voice for a podcast. Ah. It was, right? <laughs> it was so relaxing. And obviously, it's a topic that everybody needs, especially in this day and age. So so who is next? Is it is it Sarah or Ashley? Oh, it's Sarah. Great. Uh, my name is Sarah Steele. And I am um, a homeschool mom of four kiddos ages 7, 9, 11, and 13. That's a nice full house. And our claim to fame is that we are all redheads, <laughs> which makes us quite a, a showcase anywhere we go. I was going to ask you that if that's like a talking point for people when you go out. Like they have to tell you, oh, I know a redhead too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We have long conversations no matter where we go. As you guys know, my husband is extremely tall. He's six foot eight. And everywhere we go, people want to know how tall he is. And everybody, especially the older ladies, each older lady, she's got a grandson that's taller than him, which is so cute because, you know, grandmas, they love their grandsons. <laughs> But we get those stories too. So what's going on with you? I know you have some exciting news to share. I do. I'm so excited. I have my, I, my husband and I have published a couple of kids books that was delightful for us, but I am publishing my first passion project, which is a poetry book that shares a story. So I'm really excited about the format of the book and that it will walk they're not just individual poems, but they build together to share a story that I have walked through about the addiction of people pleasing and boundaries and their importance. And we get into some codependency and anxiety and and come to the end of of finding healing in faith and community. So I'm super excited to get to share that. Yes. And we can definitely talk about that more later, especially if we can talk you into sharing perhaps one of the poems from An Ocean Without. And that's the oh, name. 
right? <laughs> yes, yes. If you twist my arm, I'm sure I could share one. Yeah, we'll reach to the screen and do some arm, arm twisting. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the reason why I wanted to share my poem at the top of the show is it kind of reaches into all of our shared stories. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of going to be something that we want to extend to the listener today is like a call to action about art and faith and writing. And each of us have bonded over that. And that's what brought us together. So and it's what we're trying to do through the passion project of the way back to ourselves. And I think it's so cool how it manifests in each of us differently and, and to share and to inspire anybody who's listening. So and then, of course, we have Ashley, last but not least. Oh, wait. I almost forgot. Oh. Home. <laughs> see, okay, I, I saw Sarah raise her eyebrow there. I'm like, see, I know. I forgot it. This is, see, guys, Sarah keeps me. She keeps me on point. What is home to you, Sarah? I was thinking about this, and I I had a physical reaction like Kimberly just shared. I said, home is where my stomach unclenches. Home is where I am not an intrusion, but someone is waiting for me. So that's what I thought of when I, when I think of home. Yeah, I love that. And, th- and that is the feeling I feel like we're all searching for, is that place of belonging where we can be at rest mm-hmm. and to be our full selves, for sure. And last but not least, we have Ashley. So you want to take us home? Yes. Hey, everyone. I'm Ashley Whitmore. I am also a writer, obviously, and I am a homeschool mom to three kiddos, ages 11, almost 14, and 17, so I've got big kids now, and I have been married to my childhood sweetheart for going on 17 years, and saying all these numbers makes me feel, you know, pretty old. So we live in Tennessee now, We were actually born and raised here, but we've been all over and when I'm not writing or homeschooling or, you know, being a free Uber service to my children, then I have backyard chickens that I love so much. They each have names and personalities. And I also just love gardening and plants and all things of that nature. So. Yeah, I love some of your pictures and I'm like, I need to do that. I need to get chicken and and all of that. <laughs> But we live in a deed, yeah, we leave, we live in a deed restricted neighborhood. So I think the only people that would be happy with that decision would be me. Yeah. Yeah. Technically we're not supposed to have chickens either, but (gasps) I'm pretty happy. And so I, I'm like, I can always kind of like buy my neighbors off with some eggs if it gets, you know, too sketch. There you go. You know, you just outed yourself on the podcast and everybody's going to know that you have chicken in your backyard. (laughs) It's true. They're going to be charging me eggs. Oh, that's so funny. So before we dive in, because we got to have our Zoom community night last night, and I feel like it would be strange to just dive in and not talk about that. You forgot the home thing. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. The people please or Amy almost just let you keep going. Kim, let's ask you a letter too. <laughs> I'm probably gonna have to keep some of these outtakes. <laughs> I don't oh need my it. gosh. Uh, we're making it up as we go, people. Uh, I'm blaming that on COVID. Okay. Yes. The, the brain fog is real, people. Okay, let me try that again. 
All right. And of course, I have to ask you the signature question. What is home to you? And I'm so interested to hear this because you've lived everywhere. Well, yeah, when you presented that question, I was like, this sounds so cliche, but it is legitimately just where my people are. It's like where where my family is. We have lived in three countries, three states, and nine different houses in the, just in the last decade. And so to pinpoint like this is home, you know, it's just you can't do that. And so I just feel like home is where my people are. You know, it's God has given us so many beautiful relationships relationships and friendships and connections that when I'm with those people, whether it's like my nuclear family or if it's our family overseas, I just feel home. And I think Sarah like hit it, hit the nail on the head too. When it's like, you just, your stomach unclenches and you're just there. You can just be yourself, your authentic self. So yeah, home is where my people are. And I love that answer for you because living in a new place, but about once a year, for the past decade, it does make you have to reconsider what home is because mm -hmm. for you specifically, it couldn't be tied to a specific address. You yeah. know, you guys had to, when you're doing missions work, whatever it was that you were doing, it, you had to make that place mm -hmm. home. Yeah. And I love that. And so it's just so cool to ask that question because you do get a little window into people's souls. Yeah. So last night, we had our Zoom community hour and it was so beautiful and we all five got to be together again. That's the beauty of technology that we're even able to have friendships and connections because we all live in different states. I shared, like I said, the poem that I performed there at the top of the show, but it was such a beautiful night. And I guess I was just wanting to know what was your favorite part about it? What would you want to tell people who are listening and thinking about coming? And then if you want to let that kind of branch out into your general feelings or thoughts about the spirit and the mission of the way back to ourselves. You could just jump in. I think for me, one thing I've always loved since the beginning, since I joined this family was just the lack of competition. <laughs> it's just all of us cheering each other on. There's not this dynamic of we're stepping on each other to try to get our, you know, work our way to the top. And, Unfortunately, I have been a part of writing groups that have felt more that way. That was just kind of like the undertone of it. And I just have never felt that way in any of the poetry hours we've done or in any other context within this community. It just feels like you're surrounded by cheerleaders, you're surrounded by teachers and just positive energy. And I love that. Yeah, I think that is something that we've heard many times. <laughs> And that is so exciting because I feel we've tried to be so intentional about that. It's like a moth to the flame that all these beautiful creatives that are kind of wired in the same way and looking for the same thing. It just seems like we keep finding each other and that we can be in a nurturing space, especially in this world today. It's not very nurturing. And I think people are more desperate than ever to find a place where they can show up as themselves and feel like they belong. So mm -hmm. I love that. I, I will add that I think we take, at the way back to ourselves, take Jesus's command to rejoice when others rejoice very seriously. Yes. And I think we, we can do well with even mourning when others mourn because there have been so many people in our community who have walked through really difficult seasons and, they're, and it comes out in their writing and we, we, our hearts can 
feel with them as they share what they've written. We, we are right there with them. But I was thinking last night of the rejoicing side of it because I just love watching when someone gets, has the opportunity to share a poem or something that they've written. And then all these comments come in the chat of here's something I noticed. I love this turn of phrase. I love the way that you're the drama of your voice. I love, you know, just very specific ways of encouraging each other and saying, you are on to something here. Keep going. I do love that. And as you all were talking too, and I was looking at the beautiful faces last night, so many people, well, we have a lot of people that come from teaching and service backgrounds. And so you have that teacher's heart, whether it's homeschool moms or people who were in elementary school, you know, for me, I've done secondary and now college. We have people who even, they were talking about that they do substituting or they're nurses. And then the other thing that I noticed too, especially last night, is how many of us are walking with something chronic, whether it's, yeah, Kimberly's nodding her head, whether it's, you know, struggling with mental health, mental illness, and then there's chronic illness and caretaking for family members who are chronically ill. And I just feel like it's such a beautiful thing that we're able to have this space for people to not only share their art, but to share their heart, you know, and to be able to, like you so beautifully said, to rejoice with those who rejoice and then to weep and to identify and to hold space for those who are weeping. I, I do think that that is a beautiful unique thing that we're trying to do by the grace of God, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like sharing art is so vulnerable anyway. And so to have a safe community where it's going to be well received is it just makes all the difference too. Yes. I love how we are all similar in different ways, like with the chronic illness and depression, anxiety. And I just feel like my favorite part is just the authenticity and sense of community and just like a fearlessness when we all share and encourage it. Like we're all so encouraging of one another. And I just feel like that's truly the best. And a lot of people were messaging and saying, you know, I looked forward to this night all day or all week. And people are saying it really pours in for the month until we meet again. Because it really does, it lights a fire in your chest or it pumps the air into your sails or whatever, whatever metaphor you want to go with. But I wake up the next morning when we do one of these things and I just feel like I could take on the world. You know, there are people cheering for me. We're doing God's work. We're, we're putting beautiful things out there and I'm not doing this alone. There's a bunch of other people through the country that they're trying to walk this too. And it feels so good. Yeah, yeah, Ashley wasn't sure she was going to sleep last night. She was going to just finish <laughs> writing her book. <laughs> I felt so motivated after that last night, y'all. I was like, I just want to sit down and write, but I have responsibilities tomorrow. I know. We're going to have to do them in the afternoon so we can capitalize on all that energy right. afterward. <laughs> so I feel like this is a great segue into talking about the literary journal because that's something we really wanted to talk about together because the Submission window is until March 1st, and our theme for the spring journal is Renaissance. And so I just want to ask a few questions and then open the floor to you all. So that way our listeners can kind of hear our hearts behind it. And they might really want to know as they're working on a piece, like, what are you all looking for? You know, what, 
what's the, the theme or the style or the spirit of this journal? So if you want to speak to that, and then I, I had some other questions that I'll just throw out there, um, like how might a writer shine or approach this theme? And then specifically, what are your tastes and visions for the spring journal? Well, I can say I actually kind of was thinking through what I would look for in poetry, even though I'm I'm specifically reading the longer form, just because I love even a poetic essay. And so this, there were two things that really came to mind for me. One is I love a really, really powerful ending. Just either it's a punchline or it just like it, I love something that when it ends, I need to reread it. Mm. It helps shape the way that I view the work. So that's just, that's one thing. And can I read a very short poem by Lucy Shaw? Absolutely. That, that does this. I would love that. So I have, I read this poem, I don't know, five years ago. It's Salutation by Lucy Shaw. And I refer to it at least monthly because, uh, well, I'll read it and then I can maybe say why. So salutation. Framed in light, Mary sings through the doorway. Elizabeth's six-month joy jumps, a palpable greeting. A hidden first encounter between sun and capital S, sun. And my heart turns over when I meet Jesus in you. And that ending there where, where so Mary and Elizabeth and the babies in their wombs are meeting each other and John the Baptist jumps for joy. And then that, so I'm in that moment. This is such a picture and I'm right there with them. And then my heart turns over when I meet Jesus in you. When we, we moved to Michigan to be near family five years, almost six years ago. And I was meeting people for the first time in our church, um, in our new church, in our new neighborhood. And this, this bond that I felt with believers specifically that Jesus is in you. And that is, there's some connection that we have. And we don't even know each other. So I wanted to give that as an example of that really powerful ending that I'm still chewing on. And I reference it because this happens to me in my life. So I wanted to share that. No, that's that's so good and so perfect because I love with that poem, and I think you shared it with me before because when you were reading, I'm like, oh, I, I'm pretty positive that Sarah sent this. Like, <laughs> I know it. But it's got clean, strong writing. The language is clean, mm -hmm. but the idea is not simple. It's a nugget. And that's something that I'm always looking for too is, your language is, is wonderful and we want beauty and poetry, but it can fall short if the idea itself isn't revelatory. Right. So I yeah. think that we're, I, I know that I look for this and I know you guys do. And, and I want to let you, you know, share what you're looking for too. But Sarah did make me think of the fact that I am looking for those nuggets that take my breath away that there's an idea, there's something revelatory happening versus someone who is kind of doing something that's simple, commonplace, a thought or feeling that has been done over and over again. And they might, it might be overly wrought by overly expressive, detailed, ornate writing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And Mary Oliver is my jam. 
or Rumi and Walt Whitman. I would say that for me, those are three poets that have profoundly impacted me. So if you were to submit anything in that realm and with that, and of course, y'all need to be authentically you, but we do learn from the greats. Mm -hmm. And I always get blown away by the beautiful flowing, almost prose-like writing sometimes. These beautiful, pristine moments that you know are are from heaven or from God or from the beauty of nature, things that are almost have, they've always been there. And then that human being uncovered it and they find the words to explore that idea. Yeah. So I really like soul hitting words that tell a story from beginning to end. And I love references to God, nature, hope restoration and just everything that we stand for at the way back to ourselves. And I can tell usually when I like something right away, but I also have a pile of maybes that I always go through because you just never know when you reread again that something will just click and hit you. And you're like, oh, wow, that is really great. So I try to be open-minded when I think about those things. Yeah. And that also hits on the fact that we are very pro the writer. Actually, yes. I've already joked that the editors have to hold me back sometimes because I so desperately want everybody to get a yes, even if they're not ready to get one. And so everybody listening, we do come in with that heart. We want to be generous. We want to be supportive of you. We want to celebrate you. So um, a couple of things, too, would be make sure you're writing within the theme and within our mission, because if it's very off for the season, if it has absolutely nothing to do with the theme in any remote way, or if it's contrary to our mission, which you can read on our website. Those are things that are really hard for us to get past. So, and I love what Kimberly said about it being like soul work and references and allusions overtly to Christianity or not as overtly. We're open to all of it because even a poem that, or a piece of art or an essay that it doesn't feel overtly about something, but it's there in the undercurrent, and it's looking at human experience and, and things like that. We are really interested in beautiful pieces like that as well. Yeah, then, I feel like for me with this theme, which we all love, when you I remember when you first revealed the cover image for it, we were all like, what? This is amazing. We're so excited. And I think for me, I am so moved by nature and just plants, flowers, seeds, anything that points to new life and growth. So anytime uh, poetry or even essay is just digging into that, it, it really speaks to me. It resonates a lot because that's kind of what we're all coming out of, like winter and we're longing for this new life and this growth. And so often that's from, you know, the, the resting that winter brings. And so that's what I... I feel like I'm looking for in this new journal, the spring journal. I just feel like I want to, I want to feel it when I read it, you know, even if it's essay, even, you know, long form, I want to feel it. I want to feel the new life just kind of bursting through. And another thing is I want to feel the vulnerability of the writer, because I think that your reader can tell when you're not being authentic, when it's forced or you're not telling the full story, maybe you're holding back a part of it. And I just want to, yeah, encourage those who submit, just be vulnerable, be yourself. Cause like we were saying, it's, it's safe in this space. Like you can, you can be your authentic self here. And that's what's going to resonate with the reader. 
I love that so much. And I love that you pointed out, I guess, our commitment to, to nature and keeping things very authentic and earthy. That, and you can kind of see it in all of our imagery and what we're trying to do. And I think that in this day and age, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the muck and mire and, and what's on the TV and political division and things like that. And all of that is important. I'm not saying we shouldn't stay edified. But at the way back to ourselves, we're trying to take that 30,000 foot view, which is Christ's view and which is God's view. I mean, the truth is, is wh whether you're red or you're blue or you're purple or whatever you believe or how you vote or the walk of life that you come from, we're all called into relationship with Christ. We're all called into a, a community and we don't want to be divisive. We want to be unifiers. We want to heal. We want to bring together every kind of person, every walk of life, and to have that access to community and care and to faith. And so that's also an important thing that we like to do with our pieces is to make sure that the things that we're putting out there take that 30,000 foot view, that they're redemptive and they're healing versus things that can sometimes be off-putting. I wrote at the website, and I won't read the whole essay, but Ashley was making me think of it. It's if you're wanting to know more about the Renaissance, there is a blog post that's like, what is this Renaissance work? And I wrote about how do you do, you think about springtime, you think about the green sprouts that come through, coming up from the snow after the hard winter. And you can absolutely write to something literally like that when we think about Renaissance and springtime. And then you can move through and you can think about the nuances of Renaissance and all of its varied meanings. You know, you think about the Renaissance period. So maybe art or certain ideals or philosophies from that movement inspire you. And you can write to those things or you could do a replication in a painting because we are taking artwork and photography and painting for the first time. But then what's really cool about Renaissance and that I wrote about at the end is that the Renaissance can be beyond the literal and the historical and the artistic and it can move into the spiritual realm, which moves into rebirth and redemption for the believer. So I just want to read the very end because I think that this is so powerful. And what I was talking about is that we want to do redemptive work here and call all people to the space. But Renaissance invites us to be born again and to second beginnings, absolute love and eternal truth and beauty. There's nothing more meaningful than this. And ultimately, it is this Renaissance that our souls sing for in earnest in the winter seasons of our lives, which is kind of what Ashley was just talking about. And then at the end, I say, this is the spirit of our spring collection renaissance. This is the spirit of the way back to ourselves. This renaissance is an invitation to the way back to ourselves and back to the creator who created all, the way, the truth, and the life. And we cannot wait to see what you all will do with this invitation to be reborn. So. Let me add to, to that idea of rebirth that that can be painful or there can be raw, you know, raw feelings there. And so rebirth doesn't just have to be, a, you know, now I'm new and I'm healed and everything's wonderful. I think there can still be a, some roughness to that rebirth. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because we're not saying when we say we're looking for that rebirth and renaissance that we have to have all the solutions. No, like we're bloodied saints, right? And so that means that in the newness, there is pain, you know, there there's growing pains, or maybe you write about wanting Renaissance so badly wanting rebirth, but not being able to find it yet in this season. 
we want to see all different versions, right, of how this is playing out in your life right now. So is there anything else you all wanted to share on the Literary Journal before we get to what's going on with you? I, I wanted to say one more thing. I was just thinking about it. The idea of a, a metaphor or an image followed to its end, which is not necessarily to say over explain yourself. So there is this fine line. But I do love when, you know, if you give me the beginning of something and then you take it another step. Okay, my husband and I were talking recently. I think that poets, writers are actually a lot like comedians. Hear me out. <laughs> because I was just thinking of like the the analogies and the metaphors that comedians use and that makes us laugh. Maybe a maybe in my poetry I'm trying to make someone cry. But still, it's the same like I'm just trying to I'm trying to I'm doing the work of saying this is like this and I'm taking you with me in that. So I just really appreciate a, a metaphor that is followed deep into it. Yeah. And again, there can be like, there can be a line of like, okay, you're trying too hard now, but. <laughs> so Sarah loves a good extended metaphor and so do I. I'm not, I'm not lying. I love a good extended metaphor. Take that baby to the end. <laughs> And that's even what we were talking about last night when I was saying to use a metaphor, especially like a conceit, which is a metaphysical concept. And you can look it up. It's a conceit. And it's taking an extended metaphor like what Sarah was talking about. But it's something that's so unexpected. It has not been done before. And it's going to take some intellectual capacity and creativity to make it happen. And John Donne, and then I'm going to shut up, but I, I, I'm going to go English nerd on y'all. John Donne is considered the father of metaphysical poetry. And one of his most famous poems that has the most beautiful conceit is called A Valediction Forbidding Morning. And he compares his love of his wife when they're separated to a compass. And we're talking about those old compasses that would draw the circles, right? The perfect shape. And as one leg would lean, the other one would follow. And although they're separated, they're still always joined. And it is an absolutely beautiful poem. And so, again, you want to be your authentic self. But how do you get to the best version of you? Studying the greats, right? And, and keeping company with the greats. And you get immersed in it. And then it simmers inside of you. And then it somehow springs out new later on. And that's the thing that I've kind of learned teaching English for almost 20 years is that think about all the hours that I was studying and teaching my students this and how it was just marinating within me and that God used that to be in this space, you know, it's kind of neat to think about. And so I would say all of you writers out there, whether you're submitting to us for the spring or if you're going on this writing journey, we want you to hear this too, is to be inspired. You know, let things uh, build up within you and play with these ideas. Yeah, I think, you know, scripture tells us iron sharpens iron, like get out there and like, yeah, dive into the people who inspire you. And yeah, I echo everything you just said, Kimberly. It's so, so true. And the power of community. I think those are the two things, right? You, you study the greats. You read, 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 write, 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 and then you get in community with like-minded people who are, that do want the best for you. You know, and when I read you all, all of you, 
sharpened me. Oh, I felt it in your battle cry for broken hearts. Yes. Were you proud of me? (laughs) I'm so proud. I love it. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, we could go on forever. So let me see here. I'm looking at my notes. Oh, so a buzz of a retreat. That's something that is a dream of mine that we want to see if we could start thinking about or like at least a pop up or do something because we're growing and people are asking and wanting and I would love nothing more than to hug your neck. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll have to stay tuned and talk about that. And then the other thing before we hear about what's going on with you all is we just started on the website, the artist collective page. It's brand new. It's there's only like six or seven people there. But what we want to start doing for people in the community is to showcase you. If you are a faithful creative, you need to be connected with us. You got to be in community with us because it's a it's a community page. And you have faith-centered products or faith-centered services or artwork, whether you are a photographer or you're a painter or a writer, all of it, (laughs) a podcaster. We want to be able to be in relationship with you and showcase your work and be able to go there, all of us, and find each other and connect. And so we've got Sarah up there right now with her book that just dropped. And, you know, once Kimberly gets her podcast, like all polished up and going, we'll, we'll have that up there. And then of course, Ashley is working on a piece that she'll talk about here in a minute, her memoir. So let's go there. Let's go personal because I think that it's really beautiful to hear from you all your hearts and how the role of faith plays into your artistry and what you have going on with you, and then anything inspirational or important that you would want to share with our listeners. So who wants to go first? So I very much own the fact that I am a wordy extrovert. And so for me, poetry forces me to be succinct and to say what I mean. I when I write prose, it just goes on and on forever. So poetry has been a very important fit for me. And then also the other thing that I, I was frustrated with for a good season of my life before I really owned that poetry and writing is an art. I had, would have these pictures in my mind and I would want to share and I'd want to be able to draw this this image that had come to my mind for, to encourage someone else to, to offer something to a friend in need who is walking through something difficult. And I am not, I, I am new in the last several years to watercolor, but what I love about it is how broad your strokes can be and how much the mess actually works for you. And so with drawing, I was just really struggling. Like I had these these pictures in my mind and I don't know what to do with them. I'm not, I I would have to work so hard to learn this skill of drawing. And then, and then one day I wrote a poem about the picture in my head and now I have a book of them. (laughs) And that has just been like such a gift to me to actually get to say, this is an art. And so, of course, I wrote a poem about this very thing I'm ta- telling you about, how I wished I had other people's artistic giftings. And then I realized this is its own gift. So that 
being able to write the images that I see has just been a beautiful part. And then I think my mission maybe has become, I've stepped away from social media and that has been really good for me for my own journey and what the Lord was requiring of me. And so I want to be faithful to the village that is in front of me. And so I wrote a poem about it called The Village Poet. And how every village needs their people. Every village needs a poet. Every village needs a teacher. Every village needs a mechanic. And so I think the the virtual world can, it can seem like our influence, it should go broader than it maybe it is. And that can feel really discouraging as a writer. But to recognize that I have a church around me and I have neighbors here, I will, you know, Lord willing, do a poetry event or be at open mics or be at high school classrooms. Here, that has been such a gift to me to get to use my poetry and not wait for somebody to find it on the internet. I love that. And I think it is a good reminder that you know, the internet and social media, it carries many gifts. Like we're all connected right now through technology, but we also have to be really careful, right? That what are we doing with real life that's in front of us? And how are we serving our people and staying connected? And I think that that's really important and discerning. And there was definitely a time in my life where I felt that call and I quit everything for six years as I've talked about. And I was like, I'm never going back. And then my body broke and I lost everything. And I still had a burning desire to create and serve. And it saved my life to be back on Instagram, you know, and connecting with people and using technology, text, all of that. But I would love it if, would you, do you have the village poet available to read to us? Or do you want to read something else? I would love to read the village poet. Yes, I love this one. Yeah, this one is really great. It's got a great call to action. The Village Poet. I hope this is an inspiration to others who want to share their work. There is a village in front of you waiting for your work. The Village Poet. Every village needs a poet. The kind who writes while on a walk, although you'd never know it. The kind who doesn't need a crowd to just the one she'll show it. Every village needs a witness. The kind who writes because she sees is not consumed with quickness. The kind who isn't pressed for time and doesn't seek big business. Every village needs a stayer. The kind who writes because she loves the ones with whom she shares. The kind who sticks around, not always headed off somewhere. Every village needs perceivers, the ones who walk and see and stay and make us all believers, the ones who know that beauty's pen is held by town word weavers. You offer your gifts to your own village. (laughs) I love it. it. I love is not consumed with quickness. Like in our culture, who is not consumed with quickness? You know, all of it's powerful, but that line sticks out to me every time. Absolutely. It definitely is that call to action and it makes you want to slow down and to make sure that you are right here in your town, the call to community. And hey, we need poets. That's right. (laughs) 
And, and I think that that's a hard thing as creatives. I know I did it to myself, avoiding the writing and the poetry in some ways or taking myself seriously for years because I'm like, well, that's not a thing. Like you have to be a teacher or you have to be a lawyer. All those things that we get told kick your legs out from under you. But what makes us human is the arts. And if every single artist sat home and said, oh, that's not really a thing and they didn't put their art out there, what kind of life would we be living? It is fundamental to the human soul. And I think that when I finally was able to embrace that mm -hmm. and I was willing to show up in that space and, you know, kind of be the village poet you know, and, and to share it, you know, life changed in, in a really beautiful way. So I love that, Sarah. Yeah. And your village is expanding a little bit. <laughs> Our, Our village. village. Yeah. Yes. 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 I'm one of many, and yes, I, I guess I'm the heart behind it, but the power and the beauty in this community is because it's the oneness, that there's not any traditional sense of a hierarchy or that certain people are more special, more important than other people. That's not what we're about. We are all in community together and everybody is important. Mm -hmm. And our gifts and talents, what we have to bring is all of equal measure. So for sure. Sarah, so talking about your book real quick, I just want to make sure people know where to find it. Yeah, I'd love to. So it, the title is An Ocean Without. It is available for pre-order on Amazon. I will have a Kindle version, an ebook. My publication date is March 9th. And so March 9th, the Kindle will be available. But my husband actually is the graphic designer. So we are self-publishing. This is what he does as his profession, but he also did the art for my book. So he does linoleum print, which is layman's terms is carving a stamp into linoleum. He does not necessarily appreciate it being called a stamp, but <laughs> it is a beautiful art form and it's so textured. And so he, for each, I have these five chapters because I'm viewing this this story that I'm telling, I kind of view it as a photo album. And each poem is a picture, a snapshot of something that was happening in my heart during this season. So I'll just briefly say that there are five chapters. There, It's swimming, which is my striving, doing, obsessively doing, serving others chapter drowning which is saying my first no and it was not received well mm. and so just my experience receiving hate and slander and so that really led me into a downward spiral if if you know if someone if the, if someone's disappointed with me does that mean everyone i've ever met is disappointed with me which is a very self-consumed way to live and the lord has freed me from so much of that even so drowning deals a lot with anxiety. The third chapter is rescued. And that is where I meet with a counselor for the first time. And it begins to change my life. And so that chapter is just related to my meetings with her, her and my community, my Christian community, and who just really wrapped their arms around me during this time. Chapter four is weeping, and this is where I have experienced some healing and step in 
into some revelation from the Lord. And he was so kind to, to hold that for me until I was well enough to receive it. And he showed me, exposed my sin and just my own pride and self-sufficiency that came, that kind of led me to be in such a like deeply lost, losing myself in other relationships and in serving other people. And so that was the chapter that really surprised me. I wasn't expecting, but it's, it is my chapter of repentance and lament. And then chapter five is floating. And that is my learning to rest in God's love. And Jesus is already done. So I that is, that. and my husband has done these beautiful illustrations to go with each chapter, just to really represent each one. Ah, I'm so excited about it. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share about it. And I look forward to for it coming out into the world. It's so exciting. And it's been a labor of love for you for so long. And here it is. You guys are a dream team, too, because the cover, guys, is gorgeous. It's like a breaking wave, and it, it looks stamped. And I know we, we're not allowed to say that, but it's... <laughs> It's lovely. It has texture. It's very masculine and it's not a stamp, but, but it's, it's, it's really, really beautiful. And man, I can't wait to get it. I actually, as soon as we get off of this, I gotta, I gotta go pre-order it and, and support my girl, Sarah. So yes. um, it's, it's on Amazon for pre-order an ocean without, and that's what we love to do here. We love to celebrate each other when one person is winning and striving and not the bad striving that Sarah was talking about, but striving and running their race for the Lord and making beautiful things and ministering to other people. We want to be a part of it and to celebrate you and to become stronger because we're all thriving that way. So Ashley, did you want to share what's going on in your neck of the woods and anything inspirational or helpful that you want to share with people? Yeah. So I, yeah, I started writing a long time ago. I think the first time that it was kind of pointed out to me that maybe I had some level of gifting it was actually my 10th grade English teacher. And then as I, as I was going through those, you know, teenage years, I just read a lot of poetry, which incidentally I found the other day and I was like, Oh, maybe there's some treasures in here. No, it was just not. <laughs> Sorry. Absolutely not. <laughs> nope. Oh. No one's going to see those. So you're welcome for not sharing that. It was just, you know, teenage angst is just, bless it. But you got to start somewhere. So, and then shortly after I got into blogging and this was like, you know, the early 2000s. So blog, I mean, blogging is still for sure a thing, but it was definitely like the new thing. And I think it's just been a way for me to process life as it happens. And then we began our like missionary journey and just blogging throughout that season of life. And yeah, as time went on, and I'm just sharing these really vulnerable stories. We were in the middle of the Amazon. We didn't have anyone. And so I'm just like pouring out my heart on my blog. And I'm starting getting like this feedback on it. Like you should write a book. And yeah, I think that's when it was kind of the seed was planted. And so I am now doing that thing. I'm writing a memoir. And y'all, it's hard. It's real hard. <laughs> it's really hard to write a book and be like just put your story out there but it's also been just like a really beautiful way to process my life too and just see the lord's hand in all of it and apart from that i also you know write poetry on the side as a way to you know survive writing this longer 
piece that's, you know, sucking life out of me. And so I share a lot of that poetry mainly on Instagram. And yeah, I just feel like writing for me has, has been a way to just process life. I am not much of an orator or a speaker, but getting it on the page where I can manipulate it and edit it until I'm like, yes, this is what I'm trying to say has just been really healing for me. And yeah, so it's just landed me in this memoir journey and just share a lot about faith. And I grew up in a very like uber conservative church and kind of broke free of that religion and found ironically, it was after I became a missionary and I'm living overseas that I was just kind of like torn apart. Like, wait a second, these rules don't translate in this culture. Um, and just kind of found Jesus in my twenties and, mm. and he's just kind of been writing a story through that ever since. And so I share a lot of that on Instagram in my writing is just kind of that breaking free and who is God and, and why does he care? And just sharing this journey. I think most of my poetry is more like, you know, stream of consciousness writing. It's not a lot of not real fancy and frilly and all those things like the, the greats do. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's just been my writing journey of processing life on the page. So. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I can't wait to one day when you do share that memoir and to read your story and to just see the way that God's moved. Cause like for me, you know, my, my life experience has been the opposite. I've not really traveled anywhere or done much beyond, you know, teaching and then getting really sick and surviving that that's kind of taken up many, many years. And so I can't wait to live vicariously through your story and what it's like to travel all over the world and serve people in that capacity. So I have to share a funny story because as Ashley and I were getting to know each other and becoming friends, I started loving her work and reading the stuff that she had and we were connecting and like kindreds. And then I think it was early on that we started to say, hey, you know, why don't we do this? You know, editors, the way back to ourselves is growing. And I was reading Rachel Marie Kang's book, Let There Be Art. There was this beautiful poem in it. At the end, it said, Ashley Whitmore. And I was like, wait, what? And I took a, I think I like took a picture and texted her or I can't remember how I was like, is this, is this you? And she was just very nonchalant. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. Was like, that happened. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It was so beautiful. Yeah, that was so cool for me too. Like Rachel Marie King, just what a, what an inspiration. And yeah, when she asked if she could put that in her book, I was like, I think I'm dreaming. I know. <laughs> but that was, yeah, she she put two of them in there. And the, talking about the beauty of Instagram, that's, I've never met her in real life either. And she had read my work on Instagram. And yeah, it just, yeah, that side of social media can, can open doors and just really make some beautiful connections. So, yeah. Yeah, and especially, I love that you were sharing authentically and that resonated with her. And then now it's part of the story that she was telling. And I can't miss this point that she's going to come on our podcast here soon mm -hmm. to talk about her new book, which yes. I'm just geeking out about because we all love her from afar. And then I felt like a little bit connected because like Ashley's my friend and I, I love Rachel and I've been following her for a long time. And and then 
she had reached out and said that she wanted to send me her book. And so I started reading it. It's breathtaking. And I just know you guys are going to love it. So, but she'll be coming on as soon as I can get my act together and I read that book and <laughs> finish it. <laughs> so anything else that you wanted to share, Ashley? No, I think that's, that's about it. I mean, my memoir is a hot minute from being in any <laughs> kind of published form, but yeah, Keep but it's coming. It's loop. coming. It's coming slowly, but surely. Yeah. And it's amazing what God can do in a year. You literally can feel like nothing is going the way that I want it to, or something is so far off in the distance. And then you just look over your shoulder and oh my gosh, yeah. God, you did that. That much happened in just a year. I just think about that. Um, I guess I could just really quickly share what's going on with me. I can't believe I'm even saying this. It's the same way you you all probably feel about just some of those unreal twists of fate that have happened in your life. But my poetry collection of Wings and Dirt it will be out this spring with Whip and Stock Publishers. They just sent me the first pages. I made sure that you saw it first after my husband because you guys have been such support and cheerleaders and we just like to lift each other up in prayer and encouragement. And I just can't believe that it's it's here. You know, it's coming together. And a year ago... It was a dream. And a year before that, I had barely scratched the surface. I think it was two years ago this April that I wrote the first poem, A Brutal Love, that opens this. And it had to go first because it was the first thing I wrote after my illness. And so I just, wow, what God does. In such a short period of time, two years ago, I was in utter hell and lost and broken in more ways than one. And this is before the way back to ourselves. You know, you think about that. And I was in a wheelchair and fighting through that. And I just, oh, Lord, you know, here I am walking, creating. I have a sisterhood. We have a community. We're showing up. It's just, it's wild. And like we keep saying, we bring the crumbs every day, bring what little we have. And we just kind of watch him multiply. So that's kind of the big deal that's going on with me. And, and that's I all love I love that. I love that, Kimberly, because like you share your story helps those of us and you too, Sarah, with your book coming out next month. It's like those of us that are further back on this journey are like, okay, I'm going to keep going yes. because it will happen eventually. You know, if I just take that next step and just keep being faithful and do the things, it's hard, it's painful, but look, they did it. I can do it too. So we were talking about last night. It's the same God. So how wouldn't he? If if we're partnering with him and we're trusting him and we're showing up, why wouldn't he do the same thing? And that's the thing about the crumbs. And I write about it in my writing course that I have on the website that you can buy, How to Grow Your Writing Life. And we have the launch team we're going to meet in about a week to celebrate. And the editors have it as a, a gift because, one, I love them. And two, they help me refine it and make it even better. And they're in there, too, with some tips. It's really cool. And I write about it in that, that just do the next small thing. And so I think that that's a really great piece of advice is that if you just wake up every day in your craft or whatever it is that you're doing and just do the next small thing, what's wild about that is there's 365 days in the year. And if you do 365 small things, that is unbelievable in a year, what you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And when God is on your side and you're honoring him and you're walking out authentically and you're doing the work to grow and to strengthen yourself inside your craft, whatever it is you're doing, how can beautiful things not happen? And I think that that is just such a breath of life to me, walking this journey with you all and seeing everybody kind of going on that journey. We keep getting up and we keep doing the thing. 
And then eventually you just arrive somewhere and now Sarah has a book in her hand. You know? And it came from your pain too. Right. And my husband even said when I started I started writing, I had shared just a couple of poems and and like Ashley, several people said, you know, will you write a book about this? And I said, Absolutely not. I have been through counseling. I'm not going back there. <laughs> but when I did finally, I was looking through my journals and I found 30 poems from this season of my life. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. And I just started just to try. But my husband specifically said, don't write for anyone else. This is not like, don't be thinking about your reader yet. This first draft is for you. And I, in two months, I wrote a hundred poems and I bawled just the entire time. It was, but it was a purge. It was not... I had not a single panic attack, which I had had before then. You know, it was just this, like, everything that had been, that my body had stored came out in two months' time. And it was beautiful and incredible. Like, one of the my favorite two months of my life. <laughs> just being able to use, like you said, Kimberly, use this, this huge work that the Lord did and the suffering that I walked through but turn it into something beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, yeah, just to piggyback off that, Sarah, it's, and, and what you're saying too, Kimberly, it's like, man, so hard. It's so hard sometimes to do that daily effort. Like just full disclosure today, I wrote my editor and I was like, I'm rewriting the whole book. I'm over it. I'm done. And we had a great conversation on Saturday, three hour long conversation. It was great. And I write it today. I'm like, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm, this is trash. I'm burning it in a dumpster fire. And she was like, what's going on? And I was like, well, I was rereading these chapters and she, she's so sweet. And so she was like, I'm going to be firm with you. Stop rereading chapters fill in the gaps. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing right now. And it's because I'm like so resistant to just take those baby steps. Cause I feel like I've got almost a hundred thousand words on a page. I should be done. And just like, yeah, just trusting that process mm -hmm. and like letting it hurt a little bit. Cause it's emotional to write and like pour our souls out on this page and just trust that process. Trust those that have gone before, like Sarah's saying, like she took those two months and just poured her heart out on a page just trust it. You're going to get where you're going. And if I could just, you know, get that through my head, then. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, though, I think what you're saying is going to resonate with everybody listening. It resonates with us. We're all nodding our head, but it is literally progress over perfection. And if you are perfectionistic or if you struggle with imposter syndrome, like all of us, mm -hmm. and you feel overwhelmed by a monstrous task, you just have to toss perfection out the window and say, I'm just going to make progress because there's a lot of beautiful art out there that is not perfect. And some people even laud it for its imperfections, you know, that it, that it disrupted, that it broke up monotony, that it surprised, that it startled. And so that's another really big piece of encouragement that Ashley's kind of embodying right now as she's going through this, season is wanting to go back and revise and perfect and then your editor's like no 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 listen sweetheart you ain't doing that no more <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta put that pen to paper and you gotta just dare to make progress yeah, yeah. 
And I know I have been my own worst enemy in life because I was trying to be perfect when I should have just mm -hmm. been okay with progress. <laughs> yeah. So that's so good. So Kimberly, you want to take us out and let us know what's going on in your world and anything beautiful, inspirational, wonderful that you want to share about um, art and faith? Yeah. So I'll take you back to why I fell in love with writing. Was that the question? <laughs> Whatever you want the question to be. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll just start there. Perfect. Because um, I've been writing since I since second grade, since I learned how to write, basically. And I always knew that's what I was good at. And perhaps the only thing I was good at at that age, especially like teachers would actually comment, oh, you're good at spelling and writing. And but anything else I would suffer at, like I was not great. So I had really low self-esteem my whole life. And writing was the one thing I could count on that I could just be myself and excel at and it's just an outlet for me as well and as I grew older I would write poems here and there mostly out of heartache and you know what I was feeling at the time but then later on in life I started writing again right before I was having breathing issues I that summer I just started writing again before I got sick which is crazy because like five six months later that was the thing that I felt saved me. And so I feel like my faith and my writing went hand in hand at the same time. Like I always believed in God and I always loved writing, but they both intertwined in a beautiful way. And I just like stopped everything. Like I had to quit my job. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was engaged at the time. Like everything was going wrong basically. And I just felt like I was falling apart. And I didn't know if I would survive. Like every day I was praying, God, like give me another day. Cause I felt like my breathing, no one could figure it out. And I just felt so lonely and mm -hmm. writing really saved me. And I never thought I could do it like as a job or career or even like side hustle or anything. Like I didn't know it was possible back then. I just knew I started writing again on Instagram. I started a blog and that was about it. <laughs> And I always knew I wanted to write a book and several books, but I just didn't think that was possible for me. But now I see it is possible. And I think it's possible for anybody. And I'm just so passionate about that. You brought tears to my eyes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because again, it's the same story over and over again. And I just hope if our listeners you know, are still tracking with us that they can feel this, like that we're speaking into them the way that we are to each other right now, because he is the same God. And what all of us has sa have said in our own ways is that faith in writing saved us. And that when we were doing one, the other came, you know, the more faith you have, the more art that comes, the more art you do searching, the more faith that comes. And it's just such a beautiful, it's just such a beautiful design. And you think about John, he literally wrote in the beginning was the word. That's how God manifested himself to us is through the word. Mm -hmm. And he's still doing it through artists. He's manifesting within us and he makes himself present in community through the Bible and nature. And all we need to do is have the eyes to see. 
And you can learn more about Kimberly's story on Substack. And is that going to be the name of your podcast too? Is um, it, or is it the mental fight? The mental fight. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the daily mental fight is her Substack, And then the mental fight is her forthcoming podcast. That's going to kick off in March, right? Yes. Wow. March is a big month. <laughs> I know. KP is your book coming out in April. I think it's coming out in April. I have a due date with my publishers for the first week of March and they typeset in-house, which is one of the big reasons I wanted to go with them. So it also speeds up the publishing process. So that's super exciting. They're really unique that way. So I think that this is a good place to leave off and say good night. Do you have any last thoughts? Oh, I know your last thought, if you'd like, is what I know for sure. So you can either just say something really nice to everybody and say good night. Or if you want, you can leave off on my one true thing or one thing I know for sure, because that's always fun to do. What I know for sure, my one true thing right now is that I actually really just don't know a lot. I'm noticing that I've been so wrong so many times because I've operated from scarcity that I'm losing things or nothing's going to get better. I'm going to be sick forever. Or why is God allowing all of this to be taken away? And the Lord has been so gentle to show me just how wrong I've been. And I just want to have more of a teachable spirit and to keep growing and changing. That's, that's kind of what I came to when I thought about it today. I'm like, gosh, I mean, I know a lot of things, but one thing I know for sure is that I don't know a lot of things. So that's me. Yes, I'm right there with you. My one true thing is that life is a conundrum and we are just <laughs> not going to have all the answers y'all. But in that conundrum is this like wrestling and it's in that wrestling that there's the beauty and the hope and the faith and the joy. Like it's all mixed up in there. You know, I'm, I'm right there with you, Kimberly. That's my one true thing is that we just don't have all the answers and we're not going to. <laughs> right. It's that both and living the both and life. Yes. So true. Yeah. The thing I know for sure is that the little things matter and do them with faithfulness. Oh, I love that. So the little, the little writings, the little noticing other people, the little moments of encouragement, the little pieces that you write to the little publications, all of those matter. I love that. And it just makes us feel like how significant our lives really are. If the little things matter, then, then the big things do. And that we matter. We matter to God. We matter to others. You know, what we do that's seen, not seen, it all matters. It's all sacred, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Kimberly? Yeah, so my one true thing that I know for sure is that God is with you. He's with you in the struggles and the celebrations and... He's with you in everything that you do. Right. And even when you do not feel it, he is still there. And that's, that would be another thing that I know for sure. I love that. Yes. My goodness. How spoiled are we that we had two nights together? I know. I'm going to be just emotionally so high and on a cloud. I'm just going to be floating through the rest of this month. So. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It just fills my heart. I love looking at your faces through Zoom and I really dream of the day and it will happen that we get to see each other face to face. Yes. Yeah. 
So thank you for being here and being my friend and caring for this community like you guys do. You're amazing. And I feel so good about this podcast. I feel like there were so many great things that we got to talk about. And I hope some of it ministers to our listeners. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to The Way Back to Ourselves as we go on the journey to finding who we are, who God created us to be, and what it means to be human. Good night, guys. (laughs) We killed it. That was awesome. That was was so fun. I loved it. It was so good. Let me just stop the recording. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.